0: Welcome to the Bolstered Up Sports Podcast. I'm Brian Bolster. Please follow me on Instagram at bolstered__up__sports underscore, underscore, and on Twitter at bs__takes. Please share, rate, review, and subscribe. I appreciate all of the support. Today I'm joined by Jake Ganey and Chandler Bakken to recap the Memorial Tournament as well as our best bets. We discuss what to expect from Tiger Woods and John Rahm moving forward and how Tony Finau and Bryson DeChambeau are shaping the future of the pga tour i had a lot of fun doing this i hope y'all enjoy all right guys i appreciate you joining me today i hope you're doing well here to break down the memorial tournament and first i want to get into our best bets jake how about we start out with you how did your best bets go this weekend
1: they were a struggle bust <laughs> i knew ricky was gonna be a long shot to win but i figured he'd at least make the cut, top 10. Xander started off slow, but he came back and almost got a top 10 for me.
0: I play really rebounding. And when you look at the scorecard, you wouldn't think that he climbed all the way up to 13th overall and was really just one shot from getting you in that top 10 and hitting on that best bet for you. But it was tough seeing Fowler struggle like that. Honestly, I was considering betting him myself. And he's not even close to the only big name that struggled and shot in the 80s. DJ had a back-to-back 80-80 and was almost dead last. So <laughs> at least he wasn't dead last. Chandler, how about you? How do you, how did your best bets go?
2: You know, I, I can't be too upset with the way it went. Jordy, you know, he, he shows up when the when the conditions are toughest because he's one of the best golfers in the world, and that's what those guys do. He gets in the lead, though, lately, and he's, he tends to struggle. So I, the past couple times, the past month or two, he's been in the lead. Or up near the lead, and then on, on Sunday, it's just there's just nothing there, so it's Saturday, too, for that matter. But Horschel was kind of just a long shot, top 10 for me. He almost he almost stuck it out. So, both of them I think both of them finished T 13. So, pretty good showings from both those guys. Unfortunately, it's still zero wins on the card for me. So, not a hot weekend,
0: yeah. that's how it goes, you know, in golf, honestly, being right at tied for 13th, that's so close to hitting on those bets. And you're exactly right. Spieth looked great, really, after day one and day two. Nothing super flashy, but staying steady. And then the weekend, not only for him, but for everybody, got pretty crazy. And we'll get into the course specifics maybe a little bit more as we go on. But as far as I'm concerned, John Rahm is not the man of the hour. That's Tony Fee for saving us and getting one of our best bets to hit. He barely eked it out, finished... At two under, eighth overall, and it looked like for a little bit there that he might even slip out of that top ten, which would have been pretty devastating after he finished the second round. And even third round, he had started to slip, but being at the top of the leaderboard, that got a little bit scary. And then Tiger didn't pull off the win for me. I was a little disappointed. You know, I know we got a little bit excited after that day one start. Nothing flashy, he finished at just one under, but it really looked like he was striking the ball well and putting himself in positions to score. Were you guys a little bit disappointed with Tiger's performance, or did you expect it to play out this way for him this weekend? He did finish at 40th overall, which all things considering is respectable. What do you think, Chandler? Yeah,
2: no, I'm definitely not disappointed. And I, I think I even told you guys over the weekend, I said, God, you know, people love Tiger so much, but they're so quick nowadays to doubt him when he slips just a little bit. 44-year-old man with a fused back, hadn't had played, this is his first competitive round, I think, nine months or so. Major championship conditions. And he had one day, which was Friday, where his back was just stiff. And he said, guys, I, you know, it's I'm going to have days like that where he, he just can't, he could hardly bend down and tee the ball up. And he still made the cut unbelievably, honestly, because he looked like he was ready to just walk off the course on Friday, made the cut, and then, you know, shot what the round average was on Sunday. of a 76. So 44-year-old man with a fused back, you can't be too upset about it. But, yeah, it's not the Tiger that we all wanted to
0: see, but he definitely played well, considering. What do you think, Jake?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was hoping to see him play better, but I think after that Friday round, he was just kind of coasting. He didn't want to try and injure his back any more than it was –
0: no doubt just being fans we wanted so much more out of him but at the same time being realistic it's probably a solid performance and you're right Chandler people are definitely quick to turn on him because of those lofty expectations and his back can come up at any time but the truth is and what worries me the most is Tiger brings it up a lot and he seems to not really downplay his back issues at all like he'll be like yeah I just wake up and it's a flip of a coin like you never know if just one day i wake up and i can't move and it's like well that's kind of disheartening to hear do you think tiger is going to play competitively and get some top top 10 or top 5 finishes in the upcoming tournaments jake
1: i think he is i don't think we see him play too much besides the majors and maybe maybe the playoffs he's got to have a good thursday friday if he doesn't do that, he's just he's just going to coast. He's going to have to figure something out because his back is is on the verge of breaking again. I think. But I think come Augusta, he'll he'll be ready to go. Yeah, I'm
0: hoping so. I'm definitely still holding on hope for that tournament. That that tournament will bring something special for him, even though it's going to be in November instead of April. But I think you're exactly right. He's got to have a great start to his tournament because. You never know when that back's going to tighten up on him and he's just going to start blocking off that driver and his scores might start to dip in the weekend. I think you're exactly right with that. Chandler, you holding out hope for the PGA Championship for Tiger?
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I think it's still, you want to talk about his back and everything, but like Jake said, it's it's all about Thursday, Friday. I think a lot of it's mental for him. He's in it come Saturday morning. I think that has a lot to do with the way he's going to play. But when he's when he's out of it like he was this weekend he kind of knew he you know, made the cut on the number his chances of winning which that's all he cares about he doesn't you know, he doesn't care about getting his top 10s anymore he's been there done that a hundred times he wants to win tournaments but when you make the cut on the number and you're what was he 15 shots at the lead or something like that you're not you're not going to probably have the same kind of uh, aggressiveness the same willing to you know hit certain shots and risk maybe making a re-injuring yourself so but I, I still have total faith in the guy it, you know it's you look at he's still one of the best golfers in the world. What we saw in that match with Phil and, and, the, and the, the football boys a couple couple months ago was definitely told us a lot. He's still a gamer, He's still in strike fairways, and when he's feeling it, he's feeling it. Um, so I de- definitely have faith. I think he's, I think he deserves to be the favorites in the majors, and he will be. He'll be definitely top five or six, uh, you know, Vegas odd favorite in the next two majors. So I, I don't have any doubt. He already is,
0: yeah, no doubt. He's definitely going to be. You know, one of the betting favorites, and suckers like me will always take Tiger if we see him, you know, maybe just at that plus 2,000, plus 3,000 range. But, you know, he's just always fun to bet on. It almost makes it like a win win if you can hit on the bet and Tiger wins. It's just all is right in the world. But what did you guys think about his performance? You mentioned it briefly, Chandler, and making the cut. That to me is what kind of sparked. Back that fire for Tiger and was like, okay, maybe he's not just going to fade off. He birdied 16 and 17 and then really made a great shot or two to par the 18th hole. Well, his 18th, he played the back first, then the front. Did that inspire guys' hope in Tiger or do you think that was just a flash in the pan that we'll see from him from time to time no uh,
2: look yeah like i said he's a gamer you know he's he saw with four holes to go he needed to make up three shots i think at the time to make what we thought the cup was going to be and so he started grinding and he made an incredible birdie putt he started to play better golf when they when it really got down to the you know time to you know hit the shots or you're going to go home he started to do it in the last three or four holes and that's just what tiger does and so but Unfortunately, it's hard to carry that momentum into the next day when you just made the cut of the number, or the cut of the number of your 15 shots off the lead. Like when he came down to the end there, with okay, it's so either you you do this or you go home. He, he he performed. So that that is a little bit of that game, gamesmanship that you'll see from Tiger, time in and time out, that uh, I, I think we'll see for the next couple of years. Honestly.
0: Next, Jake, I wanted to bring something to you because I know you've got great course knowledge, course layout, course management. And this was an interesting tournament because they played the same course in back to back weekends. And not only that, they're at Muirfield in Dublin, Ohio. They're actually ripping up the course as we speak and redoing it right now. What do you think about the decision for them to play at a course back to back weekends? And how do you think that impacted the play of the golfers?
1: I like the back to back week, seeing that, especially because it, it played as two different golf courses for being back-to-back weeks. It helped the younger golfers who hadn't played there as much. Definitely gave them advantage going into the the second week of the second tournament. It was pretty amazing to see them change the golf course that much in three days before, in between the tournaments, which was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it was incredible, and you're exactly right. It definitely played as two different golf courses. We saw that. In the scores were just couldn't be more opposite. And you're exactly right with it. Definitely was an advantage to some of the young guys. And John Rahm hit on that specifically. He was like, after playing that first weekend, I knew that I was going to play great this second weekend. And we saw him, for the most part, play pretty dominantly this weekend. He faded off towards the end. But I think you're exactly right with those things. And, I mean... They just let that sucker go. That course was just dying out there, and so were the players. Chandler, what did you think about it? No, I definitely think the course was the story of the
2: weekend. Uh, Jack called it. He said he wanted U.S. open uh, light conditions, and that's what, that's what they did. He knew that they were going to tear up that course on Monday, so they said, Let's, we don't care if we kill it on Sunday. They didn't, they, you know, those greens were rolling faster than Augusta. And you could tell by the scores. I think there was five guys that shot under par on, on Sunday. I and mean, most of those guys were like one under. And there were guys that didn't even have a, a shot at contending. So not much pressure on them. But yeah, John Robb definitely dominated all week. That was the story. Because especially Saturday and Sunday, you could say. Even more specifically, the back nine from Saturday than into Sunday. He, you know, he shot four under on the back nine on Saturday. Whereas Tony Fina, who had a three shot lead at one point on Saturday, I think he shot two over in the back nine. So that's that six, that six shot swing that really that really did it for him with the two shot penalty Rob shot three over. And the and the course average on Sunday was was six over or was four over. So he uh, he definitely dominated all week and he, he didn't even uh, let the pressure get to him too
0: bad. If you just look at his scorecard stripped of the context of the rest of the field, you might think that he played poorly, but you hit the nail on the head. with On Sunday, only one player inside the top 10 shot under par at all. And I believe is one under. And only three shot under par in the top 32. There were almost 10 players that shot over 80. And there was like another 10 to 15 that shot right at 78 and 79. So, I mean, the course was just absolutely torching people. And we saw the course really make some people... Pretty cautious, and one great example of that is we saw Phil Mickelson lay up on the par three 16th. He had 78 yards out, and he still just putted the ball from 78 yards out. I've never seen anything like that, and it's honestly pretty amazing that he got it basically to the green. It ended up, you know, just short and left, but he left himself with no angle to the hole. So then, obviously, he chips it and. The Phil we know, you know, he stuck it inside a foot. But to me, that was like, wow. That's not only a PGA professional. That's one of the most experienced ones that we have that's great at shot shaping and great at really par threes and speaking specifically to sitting 78 yards out. He's probably one on the tour that you would point to, okay, he can handle that. What did you guys think about him putting it? Was he just trying to make a point and be like, this is ridiculous? Or do we really think that, you know, he was scared? How about we start with you, Chandler?
2: I think it's both because, you know, Phil, he's kind of an entertainer. He probably thought, hey, why not try this? I'm kind of out of contention. But at the same time, that's one of the best wedge players in the world. And from 78 yards away, he's putting the ball. And not only is he the best wedge player in the world, he's, he's a very fearless player. He never backs down from any type of shot ever. And to see a guy putt a ball like that, uh, pretty incredible but I, I do think it was a little bit of both it was him kind of just the little theatrics that Phil provides but also it was a testament to what the, what the course is playing like I mean that was unbelievable it was U.S. open conditions if not harder and uh, that's definitely the course reflected it
0: what did you think Jake what, what were the thoughts going through your mind when you saw that clip of Phil Mickelson putting from 78 yards out
1: I wasn't a big fan watching him putt from seventy-eight yards. That's just a, that's a long way to have the ball on the ground, especially as good of a wedge player as he is. And obviously, it worked out pretty well for him. But I would have—he's too good of a wedge player to <laughs> at least land it in the approach and let that thing roll up a little bit. It was kind of cool to see him try something new. wasn't my favorite, and I'm glad it worked out for him. And what should have been the open, so I don't know if he was going for something like that or. <laughs> or what he was going for there.
0: Yeah, he might have felt inspired by that, but it was definitely entertaining, if not anything else. And I think, personally, he was trying to make a point. I, you know, at that point, I don't think there's really anything for him to lose by, you know, hitting a bad wedge shot. So I think he was trying to prove a point that this is ridiculous. They were just letting the course go maybe a little too much, in his opinion. To take a step back and hit on you talking about Phil being an aggressive player really almost at all times there, Chandler, I wanted to bring up Bryson DeChambeau and the aggressive play that he had towards the end of his second round and scoring that 10, which I want to personally thank him for because due to that, Tiger was able to make the cut. What did you think about Bryson DeChambeau's aggressive play in that situation? and him calling over a second official. How do you think Bryson handled that situation?
2: Well, it, I wouldn't even call it aggressive. That was just a stupid play from a guy that is that, is that talented. And he knows if he makes the cut with the conditions the way they're going to be, he could have a chance to win just to make the cut. So to do that on a par five to you know hit a three-wood two times in a row out of rough that is six inches high – and expect a different result and then try to blame somebody else because you made a, a stupid decision, that's essentially what it was. And I've been a fan of Chambo lately. I think what he's done with this whole, you know, gaining his extra yards and, and being able to apply that to lower scores and top and even wins so quickly, it's been amazing. But then, you know, this that that little tantrum he threw, which it wasn't that bad, but it was just you made, you made a bad mistake and it was totally your fault. And then you go and you want to, you know, Cole, oh, give me another official. I don't believe what you just said. I don't believe the ruling you gave. Him. That was a little silly. So to call it an aggressive play, I think it was just a stupid play. I mean, it was just they were, it made no sense. I don't. I didn't really hear the mic on what his caddy was saying, but I'm sure his caddy was begging him not to do it, especially two times in a row. Pull the three wood out of the rough. It was it was silly and it cost him. He missed the cup by one number. I mean, that's, that hurts.
0: Definitely, I think it was a case where his arrogance cost him and. I definitely think it's a bit of a punk move to bring over the second official. And I'm exactly, you know, thinking along the same lines as you, where he was upset and probably embarrassed with himself a little bit and wanted to be able to let that frustration out on somebody. But my first thought, honestly, in watching it was like, this is what I would do. Like, he wanted to be like, no, this isn't out of bounds. And actually, I'm just going to blast it through the fence. Like, yeah, that, like, that's what yeah. we do out there on the course, like, just hacking it around. Like, yeah, actually, I'm not going to drop or I'm not going to, like, punch out, take the safe route. I'm going to blast it through a fence and see what happens. That was my first thought. I don't know about you, Jake.
1: It wasn't the smartest play, especially from him, who's, who knows the rules probably better than anybody out there. Once you try it once, just take your medicine and go on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that would have been second smart.
1: Time, it's, second time is just not a smart play.
0: No doubt. Beau, you know, he's always kind of been on the fringes of the PGA Tour in terms of pushing the envelope, always bringing new methods and new measures into golf, which I think over the long run is good, if not just for the personality that he brings. It's good to have somebody that can be a little bit polarizing out there on the tour. And, you know, a lot's been made about him putting on that extra weight and just absolutely crushing the ball. And I didn't know until I was watching this weekend's tournament that Tony Finau has actually really gotten into some of that same stuff that Bryson DeChambeau is doing in terms of his ball speed off the tee. And they were saying that Finau actually has the faster ball speed, that he's gotten up to 209 miles per hour, which is just hard to even fathom. But I definitely think... This is the future of golf. We're going to start to see taller players that are going to start putting on mass and absolutely cranking the golf ball. Do you think it's going to get to a point where we're going to start seeing courses get to 8,000 yards here in the next, let's say, 20 years?
2: Well, first of all, I I love the way Tony, you know, kind of came out and approach this whole situation everybody because the big the big question on tour that, that a lot of these players are getting in interviews is, what do you think about bryson what do you think about bryson and everybody yeah a lot of them are getting sick of it and today actually brooks made a couple comments that was that were pretty funny he says i don't he basically said i don't give a damn about bryson but uh tony tony you know bryson's doing all these kind of workouts and he's you know talking about how much small speed's gone up he's you know he's hitting the ball mm-hmm. further tony just comes out and says oh i can do that too i've just been holding back Tony said i've got another gear and so he, he said, why not try it? It works for Bryson, so why not try it? So Tony starts, he hits it to another gear. He's like, I usually just do this for fun, but it worked out for him. He played really well on a course that you still have to be pretty precise. Tony just said, okay, I'll let out this next gear and hit it as far as Bryson does. And we saw drives that, you know, with those fairways that were firm and rolling, we saw drives at 430 yards from Tony a couple times, which is just unbelievable. I mean, they're, they're chipping the ball into really long par uh, fours. But yet, I don't think that we're going to see golf courses stretch out to 8,000 yards. I think we're going to see some guys bring in some really tall trees and cover some corners that, to stop these guys from you know, you know, doing what they're doing, maybe putting some bunkers in place, maybe you know tightening fairways. There's going to be a big discussion about how do we stop these guys from not hitting the ball 400 yards consistently, and that they're hitting fairways. I mean, it's, there's going to be something that's not going to be done about it because a lot of these golf courses, are they pride themselves on how difficult they are and then you see guys that come out there and they're just it and chipping up to these long, hard, hard forests. It's pretty crazy. What
0: do you think, Jake? 8,000 yards, a possibility that we'll see that, or do you think they're going to start, you know, changing clubs or, like Chandler said, just somehow they're going out to the forest and bringing in the massive trees, the redwoods?
1: I don't think we'll reach 8,000 yards just because that's that's a long ways, and the the shorter guys on tour, they would – they, there's no chance they could win hitting three <laughs> woods into every every par four. But I think it's definitely gonna be deeper rough. Sand traps will start coming in the middle of the fairways from 320 to to 400 out, trying to get those guys to lay up, or they got to hit it perfect, or they'll just start turning the greens all into concrete. So if you're trying to hit wedges in there, they're gonna they're gonna release and roll out. I don't know how much better they can make drivers and stuff, but I got a feeling they might make some tour stuff that. That doesn't let him hit it 400 yards.
0: Yeah, I think really no matter what, it's great for the viewer. We're seeing golf push to its limits, and it makes for a colorful card because Tony, like you were just saying, Chandler, this, this weekend, he was like, I'm going to test it. Like, I'm going to go for it. It's been working for Bryson. I'm going to go ahead and do it. And he had a colorful card, really, each round, and particularly the fourth round he had 3 birdies, 4 bogeys and 2 doubles. And it seems like with those guys with that strategy are basically just saying I'm gripping and ripping it and I might make a mistake or two, but I'm going to make up for it when I do hit that perfect drive and really set myself up for a lot of easy birdies. I really could see golf going that way. At the same time, you're going to open yourself up to have an inconsistent play and particularly on the weekends when the golf course gets harder and we've seen that with tony fee now a couple times where he comes out of the gates hot thursday and friday and then just seems to limp out of the tournament and unfortunately that's what we saw this weekend as well he got up to the 12 under and then finished um, at eight under for the third round and then again shot another six over the fourth round do you think that is going to be the future style of play, or do we think that Jordan Spieth's style of play, or maybe Justin Thomas, is going to end up winning out when it all when it's all said and done?
2: Well, and don't forget, Jordy still hits the ball pretty far. People people forget about that. They're like, "Oh, because it's not it's not a Bryson, it's not a Tony." It's all it's relative
0: now. Exactly. No one putts like Jordan does at the end of the day, and and
2: for speaking of JT, no one is as clutch as a guy like jt is at the end of the day so hitting the ball a long way is going to get you somewhere but it's not going to get you a win every, every week and that's one thing we saw with with Bryson when he won uh, a couple of weeks ago in detroit at the rocket mortgage he led the field in driving distance he also led the field in strokes game putting which to lead the field in both of those is i mean that you're going to win every time almost that's just pretty incredible so I don't think it's all about distance. I think there's a lot, a lot of other uh, things that come into play. And like, so for for example, Ryan Palmer, who finished second, uh, I know at least until Sunday, he was leading the field in strokes gained approach. You know, he was hitting irons dead on greens that were really tough to hold a ball into. He was he was hitting them stone cold. So and he doesn't hit it out there very far. So that's that's one of those things that's just I, when you got a player like some of these guys that can put it all together, the, the distance just even seems that much greater because. They also can putt and hit great wedges. But uh, I don't think it's going to be the ultimate deciding factor for these
0: champions' is distance. I agree with you. I think when it comes down to it, it's going to be the putter. That's going to be the separating factor for those absolutely elite golfers. And, again, going back to Tony Finau, that's where he struggled, particularly on the weekends. He's just struggled to putt. Um, So I think at the end of the day, it's going to be decided by that old-school element Now, getting to John Rahm, I had almost kind of forgot that. He's just 25 years old. He looks like an ogre out there at times, especially when he is just angry. You can see him turning red, and he's sweating, and it looked like he was going to lose it there for a minute in the fourth round where he had gotten up to 14 under, and that had just started to free fall. He had lost four strokes by the 16th hole and was sitting at 10 under, but was only leading by three shots at that point. And then there was the controversial chipping, where the ball had just moved right before he chipped it in. And, you know, great for him that it didn't end up costing him anything. But what would be an interesting wrinkle is if he ends up missing that shot. And I know Palmer ended up fading a little bit after that as well, but the pressure would have been there. Because if he misses that shot, and then two putts even, He's dropping down. That would have made it a double bogey, I believe. And Palmer, even with sliding himself some, it would have been right there again. So I think, unfortunately, because of the Ryan Palmer slipping a little bit, we lost a little bit of anticipation heading into 17 and 18 because that shot was so clutch. I think a lot more clutch than people realize. And I know on the broadcast they they kind of mentioned Tiger-esque chip right there, and I would say at least it was in terms of enthusiasm. He was pumped, and he's a big dude throwing big fist pumps, and it was pretty cool to see him get that excited. Did you guys think he was going to completely unravel there?
2: Yeah, no, I definitely thought so, and I have to say I was rooting for it just because no one wants to watch a Sunday round where a guy goes wire to wire, you know, but with a three-shot lead, which got up to like a six-shot lead, like you said, I mean, no one wants to watch that. But, that being said, the, you know, that shot was – it was Tiger the, the How clutch that was is – we kind of lose that grasp on how how cool that was with no fans because to, all you see is his reaction. And that was – what we all were thinking was, oh, God, okay, this guy's has a chance to make a double bogey and make this a tournament. And then he holds it. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, the, the, the big con- controversy over should that be a penalty, I'm kind of in the middle on all that because – one, there's not a camera zoomed in on every player's shot of every round, all four all four days. So you, you kind of have to that argument that, like, it's only fair if every single shot that every player hits is going to be under that same scrutiny. But at the same time, the way he was putting his club behind that ball, I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's a little risky. You know, he, that ball might move. But the new rules are pretty lenient towards the player now, whereas if he sees it move, all he has to do is place it back to where if he saw it move, place it back and there's no no penalty. But he didn't see it. But the zoomed in, four K camera saw it, which and somebody, some potato on his couch called it in. And so that's it's gonna it's gonna get the player every time. So I, I don't know. I don't I don't really know how to feel about those kind of those kind of penalties because at the same time the player should know what's going to happen when you place your club behind that ball, and in rough like that it's going to move. But it should it shouldn't be a two stroke penalty. No way.
0: I'd agree with you, and that's always been my kind of main gripe with golf is that some dude on his couch can just call in and have the officials double-check any any issue that they want. And you're exactly right. It's to the total disadvantage of the stars on tour. Like, that's the thing when it really comes down to golf as a product. It's a setup that is taking down your stars, which you never want to happen. One, you never want your top guys to lose to, like, let's just say the PGA Tour right there, they wanted John Rahm to win. They didn't want Ryan Palmer to win. So one, you have that situation. But two, you would never want a tournament to be decided, like you said, by a potato on the couch that's calling in and sees it on his TV screen. Like, that to me is just the most ridiculous thing. What do you think about that, Jake? Is that something that you think golf specifically needs to address and take out?
1: Yeah, I think they need to take that out. You can't just have some guys sitting there, watching on Sunday, and call in and ruin John Rawls' round. I understand it's a penalty or whatever, but you can't just have some average drove calling in. It's just not right, especially because, like Chandler was saying, it's only the big guys are on TV.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Like To me, it should just be more of an official process like the officials are there and if they see it or if they're watching the broadcast and they see it then okay they can you know go through with the penalty process but to me it just shouldn't be a call-in system that's just very strange to me and makes it i don't really want to say unprofessional but in a way it does interesting kind of dynamic that no other sport has like imagine sitting on your couch and having the strike zone on your TV and just calling in every time that the umpire misses one. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, sure, we have the technology, and it's good that we use it, but let's take Joe Schmo out of it. Like, let's just let the people that are competing decide what happens.
2: So I think, you know, I agree with you, but there are some things that, that are might be actual, like, pretty bad, blatant. Um, you know, people breaking the rules. That you will see on TV, but that was not an example of. It. That was him placing his, his wedge behind the ball, and he was looking. I'm sure he was looking at the hole, and he didn't see that ball move one millimeter or whatever it moved. And so, but there are some times where I think, like you know, people don't follow the rules, like Patrick Reed, maybe digging his way out of that that bunker with his with his club a few a few months ago. That was something that was seen on TV. That was, you know, he he improved his lie, his his impact with the ball out of that out of that sand trap.
0: You know, Chandler, I think you bring up a good point for blatant cheating, like we saw with Patrick Reed. I'm just not quite sure why that can't be pointed out by an official or by officials that you have watching the telecast. Again, not a perfect system because the stars are going to be on the telecast more often, but at least it's somebody official. What do you think about them... Making it just like that, where it's only it has to be PGA Tour officials making the call. Well,
2: of course that's the right thing to do, and I don't I don't know in particular if this this ruling this weekend was from someone calling it in, but I know a lot of people tried to call it in. Apparently, is what they were saying. um It may have been viewed by an official that pointed it out, and that's how it got started. But I think from what at least the broadcast I was watching, Tim Nance kind of pointed it out, and they brought it up. Uh, at, during the broadcast I don't know if that was just them on their own or if they had been prompted to bring it up but yeah I, I think overall it's you know any guy any guy and if you're even if you're a golf professional sitting at home on a couch what you're seeing on what you're see on camera should not be uh, involved in any ruling ever in a golf tournament but unfortunately there's people like that at home but I, I if I see something like that I'm never gonna think okay what's the DJ tour number and I'm gonna I'm gonna tile up and let these guys know but no, there, there are people like that out there
0: for sure yeah it's just a weird thing and I don't know that this one was called in by Joe Schmo or not but I you guys correct me if I'm wrong but I, I really want to say I have a distinct memory in mind of Tiger at the Masters after he what seemingly was a great chip shot at first but it clanked off and went back into the water I believe there was a call in about the drop that he had after that is that right yeah, no, you're exactly right.
2: It was, um, I don't remember what year it was, but it was on number uh, 14, I think, or 15, the par 5, where he had a ball in the water, and he went back and dropped, and someone overnight called in. Yeah. I don't know if they went on their, on their DVR, and re- rewound it, and they called in. the he, It had an illegal drop, and he was assessed a two-shot penalty. So stuff like that is just bizarre. If it was overnight,
0: and a, an official did not call it out, it is, that's just the way it comes. Yeah, it's just a bizarre thing that definitely, like you said, overnight is just weird, and I definitely think that if your officials haven't caught it by then, then you are, you just aren't doing enough to officiate the game, or it just is something that should be able to slide if it's not that big a deal, at least in my opinion. Now, moving on, John Brahm is now number one in the world and number one in FedEx points. Do we see him closing it out and winning everything this year?
1: I don't see him winning the FedEx Cup. I think he's got too much of a hot head to play play solid golf for the next two months or whatever it is till the FedEx Cup. But I do think he'll he'll be number one for a while. If not, he'll be top five and kind of bounce back
2: and forth. But he's just he's too good not to not to stay up there. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, it's, it's a weird year. So there's not, much, there's not much time left in this season. So if you're in the number one spot, it's a good spot to be. If this was a normal season with the entire, you know, couple months left that would normally be there, um, I would say no. But there's only, what, first five events, two of those being majors? That, it's, it just, you never know. You never know what, if some, being in first place, like I said, is a good spot to be with a limited with schedule left. But I don't I don't have faith in John Rahm. Mentally, he is just like you guys said a couple times, He's easily upset by bad shots. He easily gets off course quickly uh, when he makes a mistake. So it's it's definitely somebody I don't have a lot of faith in. But when he's playing, like we saw this weekend, like holy cow, way better than, you know, he's got the distance. He, he putts incredibly. And then as we saw on, on 16, he can hit some clutch, flop shots. And...
0: I think you're exactly right that John Rahm does have the talent, but the mentality seems to lack at some points. And he's even talked – Less about managing his emotions and trying to stay calm, but just trying to play better while he's angry. It's almost like just an accepted fact, like, he's going to rage, it's just whether or not he can play well while raging. And it'll be fun to see, but I'm with you guys, I don't think he's going to be consistent enough um, to, one, I mean, I don't think he'll win the next two majors, we'll see, but, or the FedEx Cup, I mean, we'll just have to see. Now, one of the big events coming up is the St. Jude Invitational. And that's a big one with a $10.5 million purse and, most recently, Brooks Kepka won it. Do you see him repeating, Jake?
1: I think so. I, I can see Kepka going back-to-back. Because back. he's just, he has another gear whenever it's time to, it's time to play golf. Because he... I don't think he's the biggest golf fan. So I think when it's when it's a big tournament, he shows up and he's ready to, ready to rock and roll. So I, I would see him going back to back.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. He seems to turn it up a notch when there's more digits in that purse. He seems to really step it up for the big money tournaments. Uh, what do you think, Chandler?
2: Yeah, I think he's definitely due for one. That's for sure. He hasn't had a very good season so far. Uh, but like you said, when, it's, when it comes down to putting a couple more commas in the bank account, he uh, usually shows up. So I think that it's definitely something he could pull off, and I would not be surprised at all if he goes back-to-back. Back.
0: We'll just have to wait and see, but I definitely think that he will be a favorite, if not the favorite, both for that tournament as well as a PGA championship. Um, we'll do some more best bets here soon and i think he might just be one of mine we'll have to see exactly what the odds are do you guys have any have any particular strong feelings for the upcoming tournament the 3m open i know a lot of the big names aren't playing but there's still a couple in there and i i believe matt wolf won it last year and is playing again this year do you guys think he maybe could repeat
2: yeah i think just like you said i don't i don't have any strong feelings about it but uh, Matt Wolf has played some decent golf lately and I think that that's I mean if I had to pick one guy in the field I don't think he's the favorite I think DJ is the favorite I bet he's up there in the top five and I would I would definitely feel comfortable putting a little bit of money on that because he's just been hot lately and it's you always got to like a, a repeating champion
0: you're still feeling DJ even after the back to back 80s
2: no I'm not feeling DJ but I think he's <laughs> the Vegas I think Vegas is feeling DJ No, I'm never feeling DJ. Uh, He's a guy that, like we saw, like the back-to-back 80s, You never know what you're going to get out of the guy. But U.S. Open stuff like that, he's going to show up for sure. But this this event, I I would never, uh, I would not put in my own my own money on DJ. What
0: do you think, Jake?
2: I
1: think Matt Wolf's. He's got a good chance of going back to back. But there's there's some strong players in there, so it's going to be it'll be a tough test for him. I think he'll. I hope the pressure doesn't get to him on if he is in contention on Sunday about going back-to-back. I don't know about DJ. I don't know if he's got <laughs> got winning in the bag this week after what he did uh, last weekend, Yes, yeah. last Thursday and Friday.
0: Yeah, it's tough to feel confident in his game, definitely after what we just saw. But one more thing I want to throw at you guys. We just saw some baseball over the last couple days. I know my dad and really the rest of my family is feeling great about the Dodgers chances. How do you guys think that your team is gonna do this year? And I know the Braves are your team, Jake. How do you think they're gonna do?
1: I think I think this is the best shot for them to win win the World Series because they can get hot and just play good for for fifty games, if they have a slow start then I mean that's all they really need. So if you get just get hot at the right time, which with the young team I think they can. I got a I got a good feeling about it. If their pitching staff can hold up, I think they got a got a really good shot.
0: Yeah, man. I know they're a popular pick at this point and I could definitely see it. A lot of people are really high on Acuna Junior. Um, he might be the next star in the league, so we'll have to see. But what do you think about your Red Sox, Chandler?
2: <laughs> I don't think a whole lot, honestly. Uh, I think we have the worst bullpen in baseball is is that's one thing I know is probably a fact. I think our over/under on wins is like one of the lowest in the league, honestly. Especially for a team that historically has done really well. I think that there's just not a lot of hope. To be honest, I got to I got to be honest. I don't, the pitching staff is gonna is gonna be the real the real uh, difference maker for sure.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure trading Mookie Betts has to feel like the organization taking a step back and wanting to regroup in a couple years. It will be interesting, and it's, it's kind of hard getting back into the, the spirits for baseball because they've been away for so long, and it's been such an odd summer with the owners and the MLBPA fighting it out. I do think, as a betting man, we could have a chance to strike gold on a team that maybe like your Red Sox, maybe not them in particular, but have odds like them Because with such a shortened season, one team might just get hot. Or in the other case, maybe the Dodgers or Yankees, the two favorites, maybe they have a bad stretch for eight to ten games, and really the whole season can flip in just a matter of two weeks or so. It'll be interesting to see. I'm hoping my St. Louis Cardinals can pull it out. They're kind of the team that I feel like is always right there the boring team that nobody ever talks about. I kind of see them similar to, like, the Spurs. They win a lot. They're always there, but, like, they don't pull the TV ratings, and that's okay with me as long as as long as they're winning.
2: It's totally different than uh, what we're used to, so it may be one of those long shot years for a couple different uh, – definitely a couple different sports. It's NBA, same way. Who knows what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, we might as well just try to enjoy it the best that we can because – Hopefully, we'll never see seasons like this again. I guess, you know, that's something that's impossible to predict, but I know that we're all hoping for. But I appreciate you guys joining today. It was great to talk to you, and hopefully we'll get out and play a little bit of golf here soon.
2: Yeah, man, appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Bolstered Up Sports Podcast. I'm Brian Bolster. Please follow me on Instagram at bolstered, underscore, up, underscore, sports and on Twitter at BS, underscore, takes. Please share, rate, review, and subscribe. I appreciate all of the support. Y'all make sure to check out the Tim Duncan video on my YouTube page if you haven't yet, and I've got a lot more great content coming, so y'all make sure to stay tuned.